Well, hello, Line Podcast listeners. Last week was our most serious ever episode of the Lines Experimental Podcast with me, Matt Gurney, and Jen Gerson. This week, we kind of went the opposite direction. You, the listeners, will never get the full benefit of the video viewers, because there's a video version of this as well. Jen had to turn off her microphone because she was hysterically laughing and was red-faced and couldn't get herself under control. And as you listen to the podcast and find out what it is we were laughing about, you will be appalled, shocked, and maybe a little bit dismayed. So there's that. Uh, Jen and I also have a fight near the end about which province has gone more bonkers the last three years. She's arguing it's Ontario, and I'm saying it's definitely Alberta. We have a serious conversation first about guns and why I think the liberals might be weirdly in some political trouble on this one. Also, we'll talk about the state of the media in Canada and why the liberals are running into, over and over, problems with anti-Semitism. All that and more on this latest episode of the Lines Experimental Podcast. Hello, Jen Gerson. Hello. How are you? Um, you know, fine. I you guess sound I'm fine. Less sick than you've been. You know, I'm still a little. I'm still a little. You know, recovering. They gave me an inhaler, which is good. My doctor okay. sent me for X-rays. Apparently, I do not have pneumonia, so that's good. I'm still wheezy. I don't know. I guess I, I went to my doctor this to the, and, he, and I was like, I, I, is this just my life now? And he was like, could be. This could be your life now. Okay. Uh, what will be interesting to see is uh, the next time you're traveling or even when the seasons change in Alberta, if any of this is just weather related. I mean, our weather is cold and beautiful. Our weather in Toronto has been nuts. 21 yeah. degrees, minus seven. Like it's... Yeah, well, we went from like 21 degrees to minus 20. Yeah, it's all over the place. I know. Tis the season. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm completely exhausted. I, I picked up an extra freelance assignment this week that kept me just wiped Monday to Wednesday. I want to start by mentioning, uh, it's funny, you, you write about one topic for a long, long time, and all of a sudden, like a story breaks on that, and you don't immediately comment, and people are like, Gurney, where the hell are you? Really interesting developments on the gun control file, and people have been all over me wanting to know why I haven't said anything about it yet. They want to know why I'm not talking about it on my Sirius XM show. They want to know why I haven't written about it here. The honest answer to anyone who cares is that I've just been too busy. I picked up some freelance contracts. It's a good time of the year to pick up extra freelance contracts because just as all those holiday bills are arriving, so are my mm -hmm. checks. <laughs> it's, just, it's a happy circle of life thing. I've got into like a vintage reselling. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so let me tell you what is happening on the gun front. And then yes. let me tell you. What I want to I... hear the Macaroni rage on guns. That's what we're here for. Here, I'm gonna excuse skip... me. This is the point where I put my sunglasses on. Yeah. I'm going to skip for the it. rage for now, Oh, okay. but I'm going to tell you the confusion. So what has happened, and this is, this, I'm laying this out as factually as I can. Uh, early 2020, there is the arson and shooting spree in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. uh, immediately thereafter, and there, this is subject to controversy because of the Brenda Lucky teleconference, but immediately thereafter, the federal government announces an ordering council, which is an executive order through the cabinet, to ban, they call it 1,500 
models of assault uh, assault style rifles. Now, it wasn't fifteen hundred models, and I know this is such a detail finicky thing. You know how if you buy a car, there's like four different like trims you can get it in. Mm -hmm. Imagine the federal government banned the Honda Civic and then claimed it banned three cars because it had banned the basic model, the elite model, and the mid-range model. That's kind of what it was doing, but okay. So it said these are banned and we will eventually write legislation to take this executive order and put it into law. That's what they've been doing. It's Bill C-21. It was proposed. It went through the first reading in the House. I already jumped on something here, and we talked about it in one of the podcasts, and I, I think we even touched on it in one of the dispatches here. There was language in the legis- in the in Bill C-21 that seems sloppy to me, and I remember saying to you, this is either a mistake or they are dramatically overhauling our gun control system because they said any firearm that had a magazine of more than five rounds would be banned. So many firearms have a magazine of more than five rounds. What they don't all have are the so-called detachable magazines. You know, in movies when like the hero like clicks out a magazine, mm-hmm. slaps in a new one, that's a detachable magazine. Some firearms just have internal magazines. I thought that original legislation was sloppy and I didn't really know what they were doing with it. And to be honest with you, I kind of assumed, well, they probably screwed that up and what they'll do is they'll clean it up later. And then I got distracted by POEC and a bunch of other things. In recent days, while the prime minister and his cabinet ministers have been testifying at POEC, when all of Ottawa's attention was on that, the committee that is reviewing Bill C-21 brought in many hundreds of pages of amendments that would functionally ban completely semi-automatic rifles in Canada if they have a detachable magazine. I know that's a lot of terminology to throw at people, so let me just give you the bottom line. This would ban thousands hundreds at least probably thousands of kinds of rifles that would in private hands already i'm i'd have to guess a little bit here but i'm saying we're getting easily up into the millions of individual firearms this would be hands down the most dramatic change in our gun control since the 1990s okay okay that's me just trying to be as objective about this as i can I think a lot of what they're proposing is stupid, but that's the, the, the facts of it. Let me tell you why this kicked off my political spidey sense. Just as a politics watcher here, I don't think they meant to do this, or at least they didn't think it through. Something I have written about with these liberals many times on gun control issues is that they will make a small incremental change And then they'll spend weeks shouting it from the rooftops. We have transformed gun control. These guys, and it's not just a gun control file. They are classic purveyors of the very small deliverable, massive marketing campaign. Yeah, these guys are pretty much all marketing and always have been. This is the opposite. Where what they have proposed with this amendment, and by the way, they have NDP and block support. They do have the votes to push this through. This is a massive transformative change. And they're not saying anything about it. And then when it finally got noticed, uh, the conservatives noticed it and began publicizing it. And that's, <laughs> I think about half the conservative caucus privately DM me the, the amendments. Um, 
And I just had to tell him, guys, I'm busy. I'm on POAC. I will look at this when I get a chance. And I think most of the Ottawa media was really slow on this. So this actually happened last week. I didn't start to see any mainstream stories about it until this week. Hmm. The Liberals haven't said anything. And when it began to come out, they've been denying it. And I know this might shock listeners to hear that the Liberals would ever lie, but they've been lying through their teeth here. This is so wildly off their normal approach to gun control. I think one of two things is happening, and I don't know which one it is. One, this blew up in their face in a way they weren't expecting and they regret doing it. And now they're trying to figure out a way to get out of it. Two, somebody screwed up. And I honestly... And they they probably don't even realize that they've screwed up yet. I think they're starting to figure it out because here's one of the wild cards. Among the rifles they have now banned, which by the way, have a lot of these rifles, they keep talking about military style assault weapons. Military, I don't even remember the term. Basically, they had to make up a term to try and like market what they're doing here. Yeah. What they've proposed goes wildly beyond any defensible definition of this and they keep saying we're not targeting hunters and 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 farmers no they definitely are and they might not have meant to and they might not even realize that they are well what do you mean by targeting that just because they're taking away the guns that hunters and farmers own doesn't necessarily mean that they're going after hunters and farmers. It just happens to be a direct hit on them, Collater- collateral damage. Right, exactly. Now, they, be, they may be shooting for the sky and it hits the farmers, but that doesn't mean they're targeting farmers. Well, ultimately, let, let me phrase it this way. The farmers and the hunters will be affected by what's being proposed here massively. And one of the things, Jen, and tell me that this is not going to be uh, damaging for the liberal brand, You want to know some of the people in the country who will be the most directly affected by this? Indigenous Canadians. Oops. The kind of rifles and shotguns that will be affected by this are ubiquitous on uh, reserves. And so, you know. It almost looks looks like you shouldn't legislate on the gun file without knowing anything about guns. One of the, you know, you want to know why the politics of this is so strange to me? Tell me. Aaron O'Toole might have had a shot, a real shot at being prime minister if the liberals hadn't beautifully wedged him on guns. Mm. I think we, it, it made that to maybe a little too simple, but what the liberals did on guns was at the very least, and even senior conservatives have told me this. I don't think it beat us, but it stole our momentum. Mm. And we had like two weeks left to seal the deal with the nine Oh five. And we wasted three or four days over Labor Day two, 2021 on the de- on the defense, and we never got our mojo back. Okay. What I am wondering, and I don't know this for sure, is whether or not the liberals have just done the best thing they ever could have done for Pierre Polyev. Because the conservatives, I know they're thinking about this. I've talked to some of them about this. I've been picking their brains on this, trying to get the scuttlebutt as, as, as we do. And they were telling me they didn't know what to do with guns. How do you, how do you have a, a policy that is, a, you, know, a, you, know, you know, desirable to the, the gun voters in this country and not alienate the 905? That's a really tough one. 
tough politics. Hard, hard, hard you, problems. You, you talk to some First Nations people who have, you know, treaty rights to hunt, or and you show them that the, the federal government's going to take away the, the 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 gun that I've been using to 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 feed my hunt family. off the feed my family for umpteen generations. Or you know what you do now? Now because of what? this, mm-hmm. nothing. You don't say a word. Pierre Polyev doesn't have to say boo on guns for the next three years because every gun owner in this country, every every one of the different groups of gun owners, because you've got your target shooters, you've got your, mm. your, your military, uh, like historical collectors, which is actually me. I, I own like old, old World War vintage firearms. And then you've got my dad. You got your dad. You've got indigenous uh, Canadians. You've got yeah. hunters, like people who like to go out and, and take care of ducks. You've got skeet shooters. These are disparate groups of people. They've got a common enemy now. Well, they always did, though. Not really. To an extent, I think people would be surprised by, there have been divisions in the gun community. Mm. A lot of the ones who have had no interest in handguns or um, kind of more military-style weapons, here I am using that liberal term. But Look, all, all I know is that my dad keeps on like getting angry at me and calling me a liberal. You know what I mean? Like, oh, have you gotten over your love of the liberals yet? Just like that's what you're known for jen your love of the liberals um yeah, yeah. so yes. so like hunters like just pure duck hunters deer hunters have sometimes been uncomfortable getting linked to like the handgun target pistol guys oh no that's not us we just just leave us our shotguns here it's a united front now and one other thing the conservatives now have a really good argument to make to any of their voters who've trickled over to the ppc a vote for Max is a vote for a gun ban. PPC voters are big into gun rights. The only way to block this now is to come back on home. That's going to be the conservative argument. They don't need to talk about this in the 905. I guess, but I don't know. I still sort of think that gun owners are such a marginal group in the country that like, and they're already so overwhelmingly conservative that there's not a lot of political win here. I don't think the conservatives are going to add millions of new voters to their coalition based on this i agree with you there's just not that many but pierre polyev just doesn't need to talk about it he doesn't need to give trudeau any no pun intended ammunition yeah and also he come come the next election he just basically needs to say look you want to you want to claim credibility on the gun file you completely botched this i think you you guys couldn't tell the difference between a military assault rifle and like a 80 year old skeet shooter I also, you, got, you don't you use so much ignorance on this file you couldn't you didn't wouldn't know what to ban if it came up and hit you on the ass figuratively or literally after the long gun registry blew up in the liberals face in the in the, in the 90s 2000s they got real gun shy no I, all these puns are terrible i swear i swear to god i'm not you trying to do this deliberately it. they are they got really uh timid around gun control issues for about 10 15 years i have been thinking for a while and i've talked to some uh, pollsters about this that the gun issue has been about as useful to the liberals as it's going to be there's mm. not like as you said there's not a ton more conservatives who will uh be created by by gun issues mm. i also don't think there's a lot of voters left for the liberals who are one tweak to the firearms act away from going trudeau's my guy 
Yeah. I tend to think both sides have kind of maxed that out. No, the the the, the real benefit to the liberals is making people scared that the federal conservatives are going to, you know, flood the streets with legal semi-automatic guns. people are already like... not voting liberal? This is, I think this is down, and I think it could work, but let me tell you what I think this is. For the liberals, this is now a defensive strategy. This mm. is hold the 905. This mm. is hold Toronto. And well, that belies your theory that this is just an accident. This, this might be an accident. The overall strategy Fair. is defensive. Okay. And it is not about winning new voters. It is about keeping the 905 moms voting liberal. And some of Keep you the line at 32%. That's all they need. Hold the line. <laughs> and, if, and I think it's we've talked about, we've written about this quite a bit. If they lose 1% of that, they're done. Yeah. And that's and spectacularly that, done. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. I just don't know. At a certain point, and it's funny, both liberals and conservatives I've spoken to about this have agreed the liberals will eventually take too many trips to the well on the firearms issue and they will try something and there will be no further benefit that they can accrue from it. And it will piss off new voters who will be angry at them. And there will finally come that time when the liberals will try something on guns and it will be a net negative for them. Even if it's just a tiny one, mm -hmm. way too early for me to say this. I wonder if this was that trip. Was well, this, that's an interesting question to ask. Was this that last trip to the well? They could have left it at that stupid handgun freeze. They could have left it with the military-style assault rifles, and they would have had more than enough to go into the next election with. But now they try this, either deliberately or they fuck it up. I don't know which one it is. And now they've actually created more problems than they've solved. So there are rumors buzzing, and I'm totally telling you, I do not know if I can verify this at all. I am hearing from multiple channels through multiple parties that the liberals are now realizing they need to find some way to back out of this. I don't know. We will see. But what fascinates me about this one, Jen, this is the first time they have over-delivered and under-promised. Under yeah. <laughs> like, it, it just like the, and the like the mere fact that they're doing that is fascinating to me. It's the biggest tell these guys have. The smaller announcement, the bigger the marketing with these guys. Um, John, that's your Iverson, lead on this one, by the way. That's your totally your lead on this particular dispatch. John Iveson, my buddy in in the National Post, had a great. Uh, it, it made me giggle this week. He's writing about the Liberals' new Indo Pacific strategy, mm -hmm. and he says it has much to be modest about, and. <laughs> That's a good line. And, and this is sort of kind of the opposite of that, right? It's like, and again, whatever you think of the gun gun issue, Jen, and I know you think I'm, you know, I'm the weird gun bunny here. You're more modern on this than I am, but I'm sorry. I, don't, I hope I don't get you. I just, I just, I just want to make sure that, you know, I can have a gun in my basement for when the hordes come from the ravine and I need to protect my children. Okay. Legally speaking, you can't, but you can be a military yes, it, a collector. Okay, so, but that, but but that by that by the time we get to that, there will be no Canadian state to prosecute me. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think I just find people, it if you really... if you're listening to me on the podcast here, I'm smiling here. I'm smiling knowingly because Matt yeah. knows that I'm kidding. So there you go. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, we're kidding. I don't yeah, actually have like a prepper arsenal in my basement. Now I do can wink. Um, wink. 
when it comes to this, I just find it super, super interesting. And what it makes me, like I said, is this that trip to the well too many here? And I also just get the feeling that we we do have the uh, the Lacole Polytechnique anniversary coming up, and I don't think the liberals are going to try and rock the boat before that. But I noted something uh, today. We're recording this on Thursday because I'm out of town this weekend uh, for a family event. Um, on Thursday, the Liberal Party had a tweet like we're sta- like we're take- getting guns off the street, blah blah blah, and they're using all the old definitions. So as as recently as Thursday, they're like we took 1,500 kinds of rifle off the street. Well, actually, their amendment would take thousands more, hmm. but they're still using the old number. Hmm. And it's so are these is this the it's liberal left no, hand not knowing no. what the right hand yeah, is doing? This is, this is this is this is just they don't actually understand the file well enough to know what they're banning and they fucked up. That's, that's 100 percent what policy. it is. Yeah. And the, the final point I'll make and then I'll shut up about guns. These are the guys who want to police misinformation and disinformation on the internet they are lying to you the canadian people and they do frequently folks i am way out on the weird fringe on canadian politics on guns i get it most of you are not going to view this issue the way that i do but can i at least ask that we care that the government is lying to us and even if you support what they're doing can i at least ask you to join me in wishing that they would be honest about it. No, because nothing matters anymore, Matt. Nothing matters. Just look at my eyes, staring, staring into the, the abyss. The dead-eyed stare. Wednesday, Adams. So next on the list, let's go. Let's go alternating here. I got one I want to throw at you here. Why don't you tell me about assisted dying? Yeah, you know this is something that you and I have sort of watched. It, it hasn't really been our wheelhouse, but bluntly, I think it should be our wheelhouse more often because we know that the government is looking at expanding assisted dying to people with mental illness. You know, you would count me among the group of people who are getting increasingly uncomfortable with where assisted dying is in the culture, even though I would initially would have initially supported it. You know. To me, there's a pretty big difference between someone in their 80s or 90s with terminal cancer ending their lives peacefully and at their own sort of will and discretion and someone ending their lives because they're depressed. Sorry, I, you know, I, 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 I do think that there is a line that we're crossing there that is, is a really hard one to under, uncross. And I don't want to get into philosophical arguments about the nature of suffering. Like, to me, it's a very clear difference in type and kind and suffering and when you're talking about mental illness it is simply impossible to know whether or not someone can recover from even severe mental illness like that that is that is unknowable whereas because mental illness in and of itself is is a very interesting and, and, and nebulous concept whereas if someone has terminal cancer we can be pretty fucking sure <laughs> you know what i mean like or if someone's 98 and like you know has a has a terminal you know we can we could be fairly confident like you know what i mean like you would you wouldn't go to you'd go to vegas on those odds you know what i mean so i think these are two very very different things um uh in fact and i i I, and objectively and i think they're very very different things philosophically um so anyway as a result I, i do think that it's worthwhile for us making this a little bit more our wheelhouse and being a bit more skeptical about this sorry my kids are just coming home so Two things came out this week that that really got some attention in the U.S. particularly. One is Simons, the home and uh, uh, fashion, fast fashion brand out of Montreal, 
did this totally bizarre and extremely uncomfortable video where there was a woman who uh, was you know, all clearly terminally ill and had sort of narrated this thing. And it was actually quite a beautiful commercial in some ways where she was talking about, you know, you can find beauty in your last moments and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, here's uh, my- they cute... selling like euthanasia? Yes. Well, I, we're not selling euthanasia clothes, but I'm like, you're selling fast fashion. Like, look at the cute chunky hat on that cancer victim. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's not that the commercial itself contained was anything hot wrong with it, but it was being used to sell clothes and home goods. Like, that's fucked up. And there was there's something about the degree to which, firstly, medical assist- medical assistance and dying has become nor- so normalized in the culture that a fast fashion brand feels the need to align its values to it. It's like, like Tim that, Bits like hockey at, like... <laughs> take your son to the rink get a box of timbits and then euthanize grandma on the way home you could picture like terminally ill grandpa taking his taking his son for their last timbits and coffee before he pulls the cord like oh boy that's kind of where this is going and that's messed up i'm sorry that's that's messed up like like i never watched futurama but they had disintegration boxes right (laughs) I think in the show Futurama in the future, you could just like on the street, it was like phone booths. You could just walk into it, activate it and just be vaporized. Yeah. And, 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 and also very seriously, like if you make this about sort of a cultural value, for example, like in Canadian, in Canada, we support medical assisted death and suicide. And this is just such an ingrained cultural value now that we even make commercials about it. and, And this is part of our national identity it really makes it impossible in the same way, for example, that we've done for national or our healthcare system. Like this part is of our, our heritage. Part of our heritage, exactly. Heritage moment. <laughs> if if you do that to it, as we've seen with, with with the healthcare system, it becomes an impossible issue to debate because you're no longer debating a subject or a matter. You're debating a value system, right? And that's I think where this gets fucked up and where where you shouldn't. This medical assisted dying, I actually you know I would support it in certain cases. As I've said, I have said, but I would have a real problem with pinning a national or collective identity to the fact that this is permitted here, because bluntly, we're already starting to get into some real dark dystopian territory. And on that note, I will give some credit to Athea Raj from The Star, who had this really interesting piece um, in The Star this week, where she had interviewed David Lametti, the attorney general, and he, she was talking to him about um, medical assistance and dying. And she's like, look, are you, you know, basically raising some of the concerns I am like, you know, is this, you know, is it really good that we're, we're considering offering this to someone who is mentally ill? And he made something to be said something to the effect of, um, I'm not quoting directly here. Well, you know, you have to remember these people all have access to suicide. And of course, all the suicide prevention people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, firstly, We've made gone to great lengths to draw a distinction between medical assistance and dying and suicide. These are not the same things, even though aren't they? Mm. But anyway, these are not the same things. And also, the fact that you're now sloughing off real, eth- real ethical concerns with expanding access to this service by basically being like, "Well, you people can off yourselves anyway." What like, that the, is um... that is that that just indicates a degree of moral slippery slope that's happening within the minds of our leaders it's that not it's getting even... us into some really really shady fucking territory real fast i i don't know if this is better or worse but i don't even know if it's moral slippery slope it's judicial slippery slope yeah, because yeah. the original 
because the original made law in uh i guess i think it was 2015 i support fully 100 percent. like uh, basically the you need to had you need to have two doctors agree and your death had to be reasonably foreseeable and you had to have um i don't remember the exact term but some kind of significant suffering look when the when the when these children infect me with a terminal illness okay <laughs> you're gonna and want... i'm on my deathbed I want to go buy a nice easy dose of morphine. I get yep. it. I can relate to that. No, and I'm I will I will actually go so far as to say that I am or at least I was when this was a live debate, I was among the more outspoken Canadian columnists in saying we need this. And the reason we need this is because your opinion on God should not trap me with terminal bone cancer. Yeah, but I was also sympathetic to the argument that came from the conservative side that was like, look, if you start offering medical assistance and dying, what you're actually going to cut off is 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 um, sensible palliative care. Yep. And this is also going to be a slippery slope. And everybody's like, eh, ah, slippery slope. That's a bad fallacy. And lo, lo and Here behold, several years later, you know, but is it a slippery slope? Of, but we is it a slippery slope, of, or is the Supreme Court just dynamiting the hillside? Uh, maybe it's both, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, like now we have multiple cases of, uh, for example, suffering veterans being told by Veterans Affairs Canada considered medical assistance and suicide. We yeah. have multiple cases of people who like can't access basic services or can't get access to surgeries, you know, now contemplating medical assistance and suicide. Like, and a lot of the stuff is quite opaque. How many of these people are, are, are coming to media because they couldn't get it. And how many people are actually getting it on these grounds. And we never hear from them. And we never yeah. hear from them. Right. Like, like there's, it's not like yep. there's been anywhere near enough accountability about who is actually successfully using this service and for what reasons there just hasn't been. And that is another huge problem with this, with where we are right now, because it has allowed the blowing up of the of the hillside to occur so i really think that we should be doing more following of this particular issue because i i think it's 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 getting real weird let me give you the self-interested from my perspective and i I guess yours as well reason to do this as well if we don't reestablish like a defensible frontier on made we might lose it yeah we can can get to the point where two one too many veteran gets the needle because they couldn't get affordable housing and the public just turns against this. And then some guy with, you know, inoperable brain tumors spends his final three months in agony because the public soured on it. And I think we need, like we, we need, I I fully support a euthanasia system um, that is, that is reasonably accessible, but we have to make, we have to find a way to make this work. And the other thing on the mental health side as well, I was speaking just a few weeks ago on my radio show with like a mental health advocate. And we had a really interesting conversation of how is the government going to advance these two narratives simultaneously? Narrative one, if you are grievously suffering, we will aid your death. And also, hang on, don't do it. It can get better. You're going to have like the entire suicide narrative in recent years has been there's no shame in this. You have an illness. Talk to somebody. We can yeah. help you. There's always a better day coming. Don't well, do anything you can't vast, undo. And, and, and the vast majority of people who attempt suicide and don't succeed live to regret it. Like, yeah. you know, and, 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 and go on to have happy lives. And like, very or, few cases of this are irredeemable. Or here's a needle. You've suffered long enough. So, uh, I... Honestly, like here's any, like, I'm pretty like, I'm sorry, wide if, open. If, if, if you think that 
in a couple of years, some 20 year old girl with depression is not going to kill herself with government assistance. And it'll, someone it won't like take 20 years. No, it won't. Not on the trajectory we're on. No, no, it'll be it'll, in five. If you think oh, that that's not going to happen, man, it could be a lot be, sooner than that. I know it could be a lot sooner. But if you think that that's not going to happen, given the trajectory we're on, given the track record we are on, and then you're going to have someone like Lametti be like, well, she could have killed herself anyway. Like, like that, would've. that, that controversy is coming. That is mm -hmm. very foreseeable in the near future. And if that happens, that will turn the public on medical assistance and die. What I coming? I, I guarantee what, you, it's coming. What we should probably do. And again, I'm saying this explicitly as someone who's pro-made and would would push for a really liberal, no, uh, no, not politically intended, a very broad and accessible uh, euthanasia regime. That would be my preference. We should go talk with someone who's a legal expert, because I'm honestly wondering, and I hate to use this term again, because it gets us in trouble. Do we need a government with the balls to notwithstanding clause a more defensible frontier on made i don't know if like the, the notwithstanding clause only applies in, in some narrow circumstances so we have to go find a legal expert here yeah could you uh, could you notwithstanding clause this that's actually an interesting question because i don't think it has to do with charter rights well there are only parts of the charter where the notwithstanding clause and that's, applies and, that's, and, that's and i where don't I'm know where i don't the know if made... notwithstanding clause actually counts here I, because I, I think that think i think that I think that made has to do with criminal law, doesn't it? And you, you can't, well, you can't I mean, notwithstand reason, it close criminal law, can you? The reason we have euthanasia, I though, Jen, is because there were appeals on the grounds that lack of it was unconstitutional, that the lack of a made regime was a, was a violation of charter rights. Mm -hmm. So there was a charter angle to get us here. And now I wonder if there's an notwithstanding clause way to get us back to something. I more mean, I, I don't know, but it, that's an interesting either. question. That's a so, really interesting question. All right. You know what? Anyway, I mean, let's put a pin on that. I don't know if we'll be, I don't, I, I, you know, I even just to write about the Simon's ad and just talk about, yeah, there, there's a problem with turning this into such an iron, ironclad, deep baked national identity issue that we can no longer actually debate it or dissent from it in any meaningful way. And that prevents meaningful and serious reform for a service that were a, a regime that actually might be rapidly problematic timbits timbits yeah chalet sauce chalet sauce death <laughs> we can you can literally you can literally you know where i live you can go get your timbits and your swiss chalet yeah. and your medically assisted uh, dying within walking distance it's to great round, i love my neighborhood and to round out the list also ketchup chips and smarties um, brilliant you could you could surround your hospital bed with the classics of yeah. canadian culture on your way out in your in your healthcare system in your taxpayer funded healthcare system it's amazing yeah you, you, you know, you know what i mean like if we actually had good satirists in this country that would be the skit you could get that your playlist be... going it's all rush tragically <laughs> hip celine dion i'm telling you like if we were if we were working for the beaverton or something or like what <laughs> this hour is 22 minutes yeah and david lametti <laughs> the guy pushing the plunger um <laughs> All right. Um, he already... Trudeau shows up in socks. Yeah, or and like singing Gord Downey song too, or something. Well, honestly, Trudeau just he did starts the, reading um... Gord Downey's like book about Windjack. Well, Trudeau just did the um, <laughs> uh, dra the drag queen thing. I don't remember what it was called, Drag Race. Or yeah, something? Drag Race. We we very pointedly did not 
talk about that because that shit's bait. Oh, that's that's culture war bait for sure. That's you and I immediately bait. saw that. No. But his next guest appearance can be on Grandma's Maid. Um, <laughs> shows up with a beaver tail and a, yes. and a box of Timbits. Yeah. The doctor, the doctor who gets your consent, does it in both different <laughs> languages. Are you now choking from your laughter because your lungs suck? <laughs> You know, I believe under the current uh, legislation, end it, end you now qualify now. for made. <laughs> I don't think I've ever re- actually reduced you to giggles before. We're good people. We're very nice people. Anyway, moving on to the next issue. Well, you know what? Some kid's going to get made soon, and we're going to look terrible. But until this <laughs> is going to be used against us, podcast gonna... <laughs> listeners, I just want to say the, the those who watch the video version of this got the better experience because Jen has had her microphone off and she's just dying in the background. Yeah. <laughs> not, not literally, although that can change. Slam the Celine Dion. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Going out with some Tom Sawyer ketchup chips and a visit from David Lametti. Look, it's good, the Lametti people already don't like me. I have no, ins- <laughs> we, we covered why? that. I wonder week. why, why? I wonder why they couldn't. <laughs> All right. Um, moderately be, less depressing. I'm, no, now I'm going to be silly for the rest of the podcast. I'm just warning you. Well, hand moderately less depressing. Okay. I need to go. Um, it was uh, Robson Fletcher at CBC mm. Calgary. Good mm-hmm. dude, good journalist. Currently on paternity leave, um, and he just tweeted he was looking through the recent long form census at employment among journalists. Mm. You and I have written a couple of explainer pieces at the line where we've tried to tell people the reason you need the line right now is because there are no journalists left one of the things he hasn't done it's just I, i'm ha- i'm half on my way out yeah i know you're you're in your waiting period if i if already. i if i if i if i knock off the per capita number of journalists in alberta is gonna like down. go down by 25 percent. you'll see it statistically he popped out a couple of charts uh but he didn't provide the raw numbers so i gotta go text him and ask for those or i gotta I go read. because the actual overall numbers have remained relatively stable i think it's something like ten thousand. but of course well, there's 10,000 10, working journalists in canada today yeah and i think that that number has been stable for quite for actually quite a while but of course that's as population has been increasing right and the actual number of outlets has also been declining yeah let me so see. it's 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 fewer journalists per capita and in fewer outlets well, podcast listeners and video watchers, uh, forgive me here. I'm just literally pulling up the charts right now. So what is the actual number of working journalists in, is that one of the charts he had? Or they're all, no, unfortunately, all the charts, unfortunately, are um, showing per capita. So I can't tell you what the actual numbers are, but the per capita numbers are pretty bleak. Um, yeah. Journalism is hollowing out in this country. We have told people this before, Jen. Because we have made the argument to them that if you want, if you value journalism, you have to directly support it. Mm-hmm. The traditional economic model that funded journalism throughout the 20th century has been destroyed. And there probably will eventually be a successor model, but we don't have it yet. We're in that interregnum period where the choices the people have is the government will subsidize the media for you and you won't get any say with it. Or you'll be able to pick which media you directly support. The line is directly supported by its readership and its listenership. So 
if you value what we do, please uh, subscribe today. We're going to have a fundraiser sometime in the coming weeks, so we can have some fun with that. Maybe you can chip us a few extra bucks. Um, but what I will say, one of the other things Robson grabbed is not just the uh, per capita decline in journalists, growing population, but a shrinking number of uh, working journalists. The wages are down sharply. And this is something wages else. Down sharply. I mean, the, the other thing. I knew thing, that. Yeah, you and I knew that. The other thing that I would point out here is that if you're looking at journalists per, hundred, per, per capita, he points out that there are on a per capita basis um, half as many journalists 2001. But that's also in part because we're the highest growth population growth. I think one of the highest growth populations in the country. Oh, Alberta specifically? In Alberta specifically. Yeah. So our, our growth rates for our overall population are so high that our, in particular, our, our, our journalists have not kept up, not because there has been, you know, a massive layoff necessarily yep. in, 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 in the problems, although there have certainly been layoffs and, 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 and reductions. So um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. And I wonder what this other province is here. He's, I will, I will go try and find the numbers raw and then. Yeah, uh, shouldn't have, cause, I, cause I'm willing to bet that for example, like Ontario would be another example where the per capita numbers declined very rapidly simply because pop, that it hadn't kept up the population growth. You know well, what I mean? I, I actually, what, what I'm curious about once I've seen the raw numbers, I'm, I'm curious, a lot of newspaper editorial functions and broadcast editorial functions have been centralized in Toronto. Yes. So the, Oh the, yeah, you're right. So you might not have that. The Ontario number may look healthier than you'd think, but what those are is there's sort of a, there's a number of journalists based in facilities in mostly Toronto, but uh, post media has a big one in Hamilton mm-hmm. that are doing the jobs of what used to be local jobs yeah, in, everywhere right. else in, in, in the country. Yeah, that's right. Um, tell me, we, we got to wrap this up pretty soon just because I've I've got to get on the road. I'm out of town. Yes, and I, I've, I've got to head out soon as well. So the, the Americans have noticed our media subsidies while we're while we're on the topic. Yes. Tell so, me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you know that C-18 and to a lesser extent C-11 has definitely been my wheelhouse. Um, so the U.S. ambassador has basically pointed out that um, some of the subsidies that, that, that uh, the government wants to give to Canadian media uh, presents uh, a trade issue. Um, it's uh, uh, unfairly subsidizing Canadian media outlets um, to the disadvantage and detriment of, 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 of other countries' medias that um, also work within this uh, space, which is really interesting because, I mean, firstly, we know that, for example, that the New York Times has done phenomenally well in Canada. I don't know what the raw numbers are offhand, but I can find them, but I think that they might actually be one of the most popular newspapers in Canada. Oh, and we know... Hey, I yeah, subscribe and- to it. Yeah, and also, um, uh, I don't know, physical, I'm talking about digital, right? And the other interesting thing is, of course, we we have very frequently have international organizations expand their reaches in Canada. Uh, BBC is now on a, on a big hiring front as well. BBC so uh, it's an interesting yeah. argument. Yeah, it, it definitely raises trade issues. And that's in addition to all of the other problems that the bills present. But on the flip side of that, I mean, we know also that a lot of these major organizations also have kind of secret deals with some of these major tech companies. So whether or not, but now they're not necessarily government mandated, but you know, there's there's been some 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 pat you know pat on the back money's been been, been circulating around on, on on a lot of different fronts. So I know it, it could be interesting to delve into. I don't think it's worth a huge dispatch, but just because C eighteen has been our my on my wheelhouse and my radar, I think I probably want to note that as well. Last but not least, okay, first of all, I'm going to sneak in one that wasn't on the list, uh, okay, but I'll do go. this really briefly just because it amuses me. The liberals federally have had another anti-Semitic incident. Oh, another one. Yeah. So at some um, event, I'm just pulling up the details now. 
Uh, it was a uh, it was the Canada Palestine Parliamentary Friendship Group, and some Liberal MPs were there, including uh, the Transport Minister Omar uh, Alagbra. And uh, turns out one of the guests is just like a fire breathing Jew hating anti Semite. So uh, the, the minister has this statement out. I'm going to read this to you, Jen. Um, this event was a parliamentary friendship group event that included MPs and members of the Palestinian community from across the country. What this individual said is offensive and anti-Semitic and must be condemned. Anti-Semitism is real, and I will continue to call it out whenever I see it. Including, I just thought, myself, <laughs> including, including at the, the event events that at. I'm at, where the yeah. anti-Semites are right in front of me. I mean, did he actually say anything at the event when this thing, like, did the, did the anti-Semite say anything? I don't know. I'm going to have to go do the research. I, I just saw if, this if, if the guy lying. just shows up to an event and, and some anti-Semite happens to be there, this is the same thing, the same bullshit that, you know, you're getting Polyev because what's his face, the Diagalon group. I think it was an inv- invite-only group to Parliament. But, to, yeah, I will go fair enough. I mean, out. like, I'm just saying just like, 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 okay, somebody gets invited to an event and he's an asshole and he shouldn't have been there. I Like, I don't know. I don't. Is that I will really? go find out. But yeah. One one conservative friend of mine uh, joked, you know, because this is coming obviously on the uh, the heels of that uh, rabbit anti yeah the lease lease roof stuff who got the big government government contract government contract now that's a totally different kettle of fish for sure. Now we have this, and one of my friends joked Trudeau's next public event he's going to come out to pumping Kanye music. so all right, now that that was all I wanted to mention. I will do the legwork on getting the details on this one. You want to take a pot shot at Ontario? Yeah, basically, some random dude on Twitter was like, "I've left." I'm, I'm okay. Just so you know, I'm ready to hit Alberta back, but go for it. Okay, sure. Um, so, some random dude on Twitter basically uh, sends out this very, very popular tweet, and he says, "I left Ontario three months ago, and I have to be honest. Like, your population is not well. Like, you people are deranged. Like, the rest of the world has moved on. Nobody's wearing masks. You guys are just you're, you're fucked. You're mentally fucked." And I think that he might be right. He's wrong. Okay. Parts of Toronto Twitter are like that. The rest of the province isn't. And this oh, is where okay. I this Fair is enough. where this is where I fire back. Alberta's fucked. Oh, Alberta's fucked politically, but we've always been fucked politically. No, you're differently fucked now. You're only fucked politically because there's a sizable portion. I've had some version, like a, like three or four times in the last two weeks, talking with Albertans. And I was teasing you about this a few weeks ago. Albertans don't know what Ontario is. They know what they think it is. Hey, I'm, just, want... I'm just quoting the super popular dude, man. On yeah, Twitter. But, yeah, but okay. But here's the thing. Danielle Smith knows there's a constituency for her Alberta Sovereignty Act. And you wrote your column on, on Thursday where you basically said, this is a signal to the batshit fringe of her base. Yeah. That dude's tweet is the exact same thing. It is appealing to the Albertan desire to think that Ontario is what it isn't because you guys need something to rally against or else but, you turn I, but on But this yourselves. wasn't but this wasn't a tweet aimed at Albertans. It was a tweet. No, but an Albertan sent it to me. Uh, yeah you. but that's but that's but that's only because like you're crazy and i just you. like to point you point out that you're crazy to you it's just fun anyway look I, I, i'm i'm open i'm open to some possibilities here but i think that we should leave this to our readers and our audience like is, right. is 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 ontario okay are you guys okay and we're i would just be interested we're not we're not less okay than the rest of y'all i, I don't know about that 
then I don't know about that. I think maybe all of one, all of Canada is not okay. Maybe we're all fucked. But anyway, like, I, look, we're not worse off than China. Okay, right? but what is the craziest province in Canada right now, just in terms of the population? I don't think oh, it's yeah. Ontario. I think it, it's probably Ontario. I think COVID broke. I think Ontario has always been always uh, disproportionately attracted, especially Toronto, has always disproportionately attracted type A personalities with a high degree of neuroses and perfectionism and control issues. Quebec simply because curfews and you have a sovereignty act. Yeah, but now we're talking politics. We're not, well, not curfews and not the curfews. I'm saying that Ontario has always attracted a disproportionately higher number of neurotic people by virtue of the fact that it is the economic powerhouse. And the financial capital, yeah. And the financial capital. A certain type of personality tends to disproportionately settle in Toronto. It's not the type of personality who's like, eh, fuck it. I'm going to go get my Timbits and I'm going to get my Timbits and then kill myself. You know what I mean? Like, get made. Like, you know, and and I think the pandemic has particularly twigged to neurotic personality types. I think that there might be something to that. So maybe we're not talking Ontario. Maybe we're talking Toronto specifically. Maybe. Um, and I'm not. You know, the Sovereignty Act is representative of like the one percent of Albertans who voted Danielle Smith in. Like, I don't know what to say. How, okay, but I that's get it. always been fucked in its own its own special French way. I'm I'm gonna say this to you. We both look. You never smell your own house. No, you're. I mean, I, I, I think, I think, um, Alberta is hilariously fucked up, but in not in that way. I don't think its people are broken. Okay. I think its politics is hilarious. Is a telenovela. It's a, it's a bad joke, but it, the people Al- are okay. Al- Alberta is currently a a battle between right-wing people who've gone crazy and left-wing people who are humiliated that their province has gone crazy. Yeah, I think that that represents the, like like 10% of the population. Both of those groups represent 10% of the population. Yeah, but Mass how many people majority. are masking in Ontario? Like, well, it's this less is a good than question. 10%. I, I, I think it's a really interesting question. Can we have some some data? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I Look, I'm just going to put it out there. I want to put the tweet in the dispatch and I want to ask for the response because I'm not in Ontario, so I don't know. But I'd like to ask for the the see, see how people obviously this like this we got like ten thousand likes almost so people connected to it and a lot of Ontarians seem to agree with them. Just just saying, I'd, I I a tweet like that about Alberta I don't think would get that kind of traction because you don't smell your own house. And yet, Ontar- lots of Ontarians seem to agree with this guy, and I don't think Albertans are are broken. I think that our politics is a disaster, but like as people, people are fine. Remember, remember all those sugar flowers you put on the cake? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying I was, I'm not fine. Nobody ever, but I'm not the baseline. I'm a wingnut. I'm a lunatic. What are we making me the baseline of fine now? That's unwise. I think Alberta exists in opposition to an Ontario it imagines exists. I think uh, Alberta exists in opposition to Quebec. Mm, no. I think I think I think, I think is... increasingly you exist in bromance with Quebec. Yeah, but there's the but that's the dark heart of of opposition, right? Like I I, I think that that Quebec is the comp is the is the province we compare ourselves to, not Ontario. Who is the eastern bastard in the Albertans' mind? Uh, I think no, Toronto? I think I think no, no, I think that that is that that's just a collection of everything east of Thunder Bay. <laughs> 
<laughs> just every except for the Atlantic provinces, they they get a pass, but they don't really count as. East. Well, let's let's put it to the the readers then. Okay, well, I think we should just put it to the readers. Are you okay, Ontario? No, 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 Are no. I don't. Okay? I don't think that's what we put to the readers. I think we put to the readers something more basic. Which co- which province has gone nuttier the last three years? I think they've just gone nutty, like di- they're different ways. They're different. No, I, I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think that's a representation of the tweet. No, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like, uh, politically, I think Alberta is absolutely nutty. But like I said, I don't think that that means that it's people are unwell. I think that this guy, this, this guy was pointing out that Ontarian people don't seem well. But who does he mean? I think he's speaking in abstraction, which is why I think that it's worth, uh, I think it's just worth asking. Let's just, let's just put, like, let's put the tweet out there. Let's ask for responses, and we will run the best ones and most interesting ones, most interesting insights All in right. the future if, dispatch. If you want to do that this week, I will indulge that because I am a very good work husband and an, an indulgent co-editor. But also, I'm you're go- not broken. I'm going right? to I'm going to propose at some point soon for fun. We solicit essays from every province in the federation, where someone within it argues that one of the other provinces has gone batshit. Sure. Yeah. Basically, we'll call it the the National Unity Crisis Series, where we where we do our damnedest to get every province in this country angry at the other ones. Yes, that's good. That's no, good. But, We're going like, to foment a national unity crisis. It's look, perfect. So the last three years, the Atlantic Canadians have been pretty chill. They've been cool. They've been fine. Quebecers have been baseline bizarre. Baseline Ontarians bizarre, got right. COVID panicky and then it hit their limit and shook it off. I don't know what the Manitobans are doing. No one ever knows what the Manitobans are doing. Nobody Sorry, pays guys. attention to Manitoba. The Saskatchewaners seem weird, but like I don't we there's not many of you. Sorry. The BC guys seem kind of within their usual wheelhouse. Alberta's gone weird. Alberta's definitely politically gone weird. But I, Alberta's but again, Alberta weirdness politically is baseline. Alberta's been weird politically. For a hundred years. So you think your politics are completely detached to your society in a way that like your society is just totally going on totally normally, but your politics has gone nuts. I think, I think that uh, there is any other jurisdiction. Would you buy that? Okay. I think that's a complicated question, a complicated answer that I literally don't have time to answer right now. I've got to go. I've got to go. Because you're crazy. I'm crazy. (laughs) All right. Why don't you write this up the way you want? And then next week, I'll write it up the way I want. All right. Deal. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye, crazy Jen. Goodbye, crazy Matt. You're doing fine. I'm doing my best. There's no shame. No shame in asking for help to end your life. Well, hey, you're you're the only one on that glide path already. You'll (laughs) You'll have to pry myself from my cold, dead hands which isn't necessarily the mental image I wanted to leave people with, but what can you do? Bye-bye. No, you definitely want to aim for autoerotic asphyxiation before you go. <laughs> you know Sorry, what? We're so, we're bad. Anyone who's Honestly, sick, if, if we ever run out of the so made drugs, shit. that'll be the backup plan. The government will help you autoerotically asphyxiate yourself. Oh my God. Yes, because we will run out of made drugs because of course we will. We have a shortage of everything else. Of everything, yeah. That'll be when the real panic sets in. Everything's fine. Things are great. See ya. Bye.
Well, if you're still listening, we probably haven't completely offended you. I don't know if it would be the Battle of the Provinces or what we were giggling about. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. It is a complete tonal shift from the one of last week. For Jen Gerson, I'm Matt Gurney. This was the latest episode of the Lions Experimental Podcast. Have a wonderful weekend.